growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. All of us stumble in this life. All of us trip and fall. Here's the question. Are you and I going to be there for each other? Are we going to be willing to say, I've been where you are. Come on, let me help you up. Let's get going. Let's move forward in this thing. For the glory of God, let's move forward in this thing. That's what it means to have this spirit of cooperation. We're in the middle of March Madness, and it's down to just a few teams. One thing that virtually everyone knows is that it takes a team effort to win. It takes selflessness and a spirit of cooperation, working together to make a great team. Not surprisingly, it takes the exact same thing to make a great church. The spirit of cooperation. And it's more than just being together. And it's more than even just that feeling of love to say, I I love my brother Joe. I love people this year. It's more than that. It's a willingness to come alongside each other and to literally, spiritually speaking, in this work, to all of us put our hands to the plow, roll up our sleeves and say, all right, what do I need to do? Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today we come to the end of our series, Making the Grade as a Great Church. Pastor Clay has been walking us through the first two chapters of the book of Acts and looking at characteristics in the early church that made it a great church and seeing how those same characteristics can make any church great. What does it really take aiming for straight C's as a church? And I've been asking this question. I've been asking it of you. I've been challenging you with this question. Are we a great church? What makes a great church? As we're going to hear Pastor Clay explain today, one of those characteristics is a spirit of cooperation that existed in the early church. They weren't perfect, not even close, but they worked together in an amazing spirit of cooperation, and they saw God move in a great way as a result. Let's dive right in. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Now, here's Pastor Clay. Did y'all, when, when y'all were in school, did y'all enjoy being in school? Love, honesty, right? Okay, so do you remember? Uh, or, now, if you're in school now, maybe sometimes it's hard to see the, the big picture. But, but why did you... Why did you go to school? Those of you that are already out of school, graduated, been, been, maybe been gone a few years. You know, would you ever stop and ask yourself, hey, why, why did I do that? Why did I go to school? Uh, whether you just went as far as middle school or high school or college or postgraduate work or whatever the case may be. Why did you do that? One of the things that used to drive me crazy uh, when I was in seminary. Some of you know that I surrendered to ministry later in life and, and had to go back uh, or felt like I needed to go back and get my... Uh, uh, undergraduate degree and then went on to seminary and, and that sort of thing. And so one of the things that used to drive me crazy in seminary uh, when I was working on my master's was uh, in conversations with guys that would say, oh, oh I'm, not, I'm not taking that professor. I, I've, I've heard he's too hard. I've heard he gives too much work. And he used to drive me crazy. And maybe it's because I was later in life going into ministry. But, but I, and I would say this to him sometimes. I, I would say, why are you here? What did you come here for? Some of them sometimes would be honest enough, like y'all were a minute ago, some are honest enough to say, I, I'm, just, I'm just looking to get the diploma so a church will hire me. God, help us if that's motivation for us as uh, ministers of the gospel who happen to be paid professionals. Why did you go to school? Do you remember that feeling when you, when you finished school? Like maybe either at the end of the year or when you finished, like finished, finished? Do you remember that, that feeling that you had? I, I remember when I, when I finished my, uh, my BA in biblical studies, I, I just remember walking out of my last class and it's like, oh my, whoo, this is awesome. Because it was intense. It had been a lot. 
And I had that same feeling uh, with, uh, when, I, when I graduated with my master's, that, that, walking out of that last class. It was on Thursday night, and I just remember walking back to my car. Just, it, was, it was just this feeling of euphoria and relief and that sort of stuff. And then I went back and, and got a doctorate in expositional preaching. And when I finished that one, uh, Cindy said, that's it. You're as smart as you're going to get. No, 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 no more. But no, it was, it was still, it was, it, was a great, it was a great feeling. Well, uh, we are finishing school today uh, in this series uh, that we have been doing, um, having to do with making the grade as a great church. We want to make the grade as a great church, don't we? Yeah, we want to make the grade as a great church. And we have been aiming for straight. That's right. Going for the top, baby. And as we've seen, as we walk through the book of, uh, or through the chapter of Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, we've seen that uh, those words starting with a C that I've given to you, that, that that is, that's the highest, that's what we're, go- that's our aim, that's what we're shooting for as a church. Two weeks ago, I started into this last message, uh, time did not permit me to finish it, and so today I'm going to review briefly and then finish up making the grade as a great church. What does it really take? Aiming for straight C's as a church. And I've been asking this question. I've been asking it just in my time with the Lord. I've been asking it of you. I've been challenging you with this question. Are we a great church? What makes a great church? And I'll probably say this again, but I've said throughout this series, it's not, it's not necessarily bigger. It's not that bigger is better, but it is that better is better. And what is better? What makes better, great. What makes for a great church? If you brought a copy of God's Word with you, you can open it to Acts chapter 2. And aren't you glad that you can? You realize there's places on the earth where you would be arrested or you'd be thrown in jail. If, if, if the Bible you're carrying in your hand right now, man, maybe an electronic version or whatever the case may be, you'd be thrown in jail. So aren't you gl- grateful for what you get to do? Acts chapter 2. Uh, turn there this morning. I'm turning there uh, this morning and we're looking at uh, this final, these final subjects, if you will, in school of what makes for a great church. And just to review briefly from uh, last week, we'll get into those, but I want to read the text to you again. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, right? Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. Here we go. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, And breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Would you pray with me this morning? God, uh, we have uh, exercised the gift of of uh, musical worship to you today. Uh, We're so grateful for people who serve in that ministry and give of their time, their efforts, their energy, their talents. And we've lifted our voices to you, uh, hopefully not just our voices, but truly from our hearts, just grateful, standing in amazement in your presence, Lord God, who you are. 
And God, uh, we, we come to a portion of our service, this time that we set aside on uh, Sunday mornings where we open your word. It is an act of worship as well. In the way that we engage, in the way that we are attentive uh, to, to what uh, your word says. God, I have a responsibility as your messenger boy to, to deliver uh, your word, first and foremost, in spirit and in truth, based on the power of your spirit and the truth of your word. God, I want to engage these people. I want them uh, to find uh, what you've given me to say today to be uh, not only interesting, but applicable for their lives. Uh, but God, there's, there's personal responsibility in this. Each of us, each person has to take some responsibility of their life and, and worship you by saying, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to the word of God. I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to open my ears. I'm going to open my mind. I'm going to see what God says to me today. God, may every person, perhaps listening to this message today, whether in this room or on video or audio, whatever the case may be, that right now in this moment, be willing to say, God, I present my mind, my heart, my ears to you right now. As best I know how, I'm opening myself to what you would have to say to me in my life. God, you know where I am in my life better than I do. So I invite you to meet me where I am and take me where you want me to go, Lord God. Speak to me about my part in the church, the body of Christ, and what it takes to truly be a great church in your eyes, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, let's look at what we looked at two weeks ago. Let's just briefly bring it up this morning. We started with this idea a couple weeks ago. In a great church, there is a desire for continuance. The text there in verse 42, and I, we've been working our way through the text, so I know we're just, we just jumped into it, but we have been working our way through that text, but it says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings, to, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. There was this idea of continuance. That's, that's part of what it will be. There will be a desire for continuance. In a great church, you will see people desiring to go farther than they are, to reach for more, to have more, to not settle for where they, well, I'm saved, I'm, I'm good to go. No, in a great church, people will say, man, what else does God have for me? Where does God want to take me? What does God want to do with me in my life? And there'll be this desire for continuance. And two weeks ago, I used the big, you know, $2 word. I said that the theological term is sanctification is what we sometimes talk about. The, the, this this uh, process of taking me from salvation uh, all the way to the end of my life, this maturing process, spiritually speaking, this maturing process where I'm growing in my relationship with God, my understanding of God, my knowledge of God's word, my application of God's word to my life. There is this, this desire for continuance. You're just going to see it. But if you were here two weeks ago, I know I'm repeating myself, but I'm repeating myself. But as I said two weeks ago, having a desire for that is fantastic. And I pray, I pray that for you. I pray that God would give you desire for his word, a desire to grow in your knowledge of that. But desire is not enough. It's not enough. Do you remember I gave the analogy? I said, I, I desire to be a great guitar player, but all the desire in the world won't make me a great guitar player. No, there's something missing. What I need in my life, what you and I need in our life in this idea of, of spiritual maturity and growing and sanctification, we need discipline. Because desire minus discipline equals what? Defeat. I guarantee you, I can promise you, I've seen it a thousand times in people's lives. Well, I just, I don't know, I just can't seem to get my act together. I, I just keep seem to giving in to that same sin. I just, I, I want to do, I want to do better. 
And I honestly believe when people tell me that, they absolutely mean it. They really do. But here's the problem. Jesus said it. Spirit is willing. But what? The flesh is weak. Can y'all amen that? Do y'all know what I'm saying? Can y'all, y'all know about this flesh being weak? Oh, my goodness. So what, what we have to realize is that, man, I, I got this desire. That's great. I, I think God has burdened my heart about it. I know I do this. But I have to build some disciplines into my life. If I'm going to continue in this thing, if I'm going to grow, I have to do this. Nobody's going to make me do this. I have to decide. I'm going to get in God's word. Or I'm spending time in prayer. What was it they said? Continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, to prayer. This idea of continuous. Because here's what you get. Desire plus discipline equals what? Discipleship. That's what it is. Which is really all sanctification is. Which is really all continuance is. We're, just, we're talking about the same thing over and over again. It's just the same idea. Is that if I have this desire and I'll build in these disciplines. Then what I will experience from that is discipleship. I'll grow up in Christ Jesus. Spiritually speaking. I, I hope you understand what I mean by that. So uh, that, that's what you're going to see in a great church. You're going to see this spirit, this idea uh, of, of continuance. Here's the second idea that we shared last week. In a great church, there is a sense of community. Let me just read it again to you real quick. In verse 43 and 44, it says, Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. We're going to explore that a little bit more in a few few moments but but there is this sense of community and as i said two weeks ago it this wasn't this wasn't communism it's community it's not communism not socialism it's nothing it's not something they're forced on them or they they have to you know give it to the collect these people want it to be a part of this they want it to do this keep in mind in the context they wanted to do it knowing it was almost certainly going to cost them possibly everything But that's what you'll see in a great church. There will be a a sense of community. And certainly part of that community is the idea, this this idea of love for each other. Love for each other. I know that's a word we toss around a lot. Our culture tosses it around a lot and defines it all different ways. But but here in in Acts chapter 2, in the early church, man, this, this is different. This is love. And isn't, isn't it interesting that Jesus said that of all the things, it's not the t-shirt you wear. Nothing wrong wearing a Christian t-shirt. Not the t-shirt you wear or the Christian concerts you attend. or the No, he says, by this all men will know you're my disciples. By the way you say it. Love. Love one another. Love one another. I want to ask you a question this morning. And I realize if you're a guest here, or you're fairly new here at Cross Culture Church, you may not, you may say, well, I, you know. But if you've attended Cross Culture Church for a while, I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you love the brothers and sisters of this body? Do you love the people that are the church? Now, somebody might say, come on, how can, how can, I, how can I love them? I don't even know half the people in this room. Well, whose fault is that? Now, maybe part of it's their fault, but probably part of it's your fault. We offer these things called life groups. The very idea of the life group is small groups of people, 6, 8, 10, 12 people getting together on a weekly basis, doing life together. That's kind of our slogan. Life is hard. Get connected. Doing life together in life groups. We have that opportunity for you to grow, get to know people around you. We offer ministry uh, opportunities in, in our greeter ministry. We need more greeters. We need greeters all over the hall and out there out front. 
Don't we, Miss Kimberly? We, we, need, we need more people on our setup team, serving in our setup team. Don't we, Michael? Michael? <laughs> Somebody answer for Michael. Right? Right? We need more people working in our children's ministry, right? We always need people serving somewhere. We need a children's ministry, right? Right, Coral? Sure, and, 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 a, and a thousand other praise team. And there's so many places to serve. But we offer place to serve partly because we're, that's what we're commanded to do is the body of Christ come alongside to, to work, to, to build God's kingdom uh, under God's power. But also serving alongside somebody gives you the opportunity to get to know somebody. You don't know them? Sign up to serve beside them. You'll find out how they really are. <laughs> Right? We, we offer, we offer uh, church-wide social events. Out, just get together, eat, cook out, go ice cream social, whatever, and half of y'all don't show up. So, so whose fault is that? If you say, well, how can I love them? I don't even know them. Listen, I, I understand there's a process here, but what I'm saying is that there has to be this, this community that exists, and, and, and you see that in the early church. Man, they, and, and I've, I've said this before, I'll keep saying it, they were not perfect. Boy, they, they, they messed up, they had their arguments, they had their fights. Some of the churches were real messes, but through it all, they, they saw that God was working, and they knew what they needed to do to be a great church, and they were. With, with all their imperfections, and their, and their, they, they were a great church, community, Okay? Community. That's what you've got to have. Okay, let me get to the third one, and you'll, you'll see the, the connection of this here. In a great church, there is a spirit of cooperation. Y'all with me? Spirit of cooperation. What verses? Okay, here we go. And they began selling their property. What? <laughs> and they began selling their property and possessions... And we're sharing them with all as anyone might have need. This is unbelievable. Day by day, continuing with how many minds? One mind. You know that was not a Baptist church. (laughs) Continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness. And sincerity of heart. Obviously, you can see there's a close connection between the the last idea we talked about, community, that I talked so much about last week, and this idea that we're talking about. The spirit of cooperation. And it's more than just being together, right? And it's more than even just that that feeling of love to say, I I love my brother Joe. I love people of this church. It's, it's, It's more than that. It's a willingness to come alongside each other and, and to literally, uh, spiritually speaking, in this work, to, to all of us put our hands to the plow, roll up our sleeves and say, all right, what do I need to do? How can I be a part of this? How, how, how can I meet a need? What's going on in your life? How can I help you? How can I help this body? There's a spirit of cooperation. And it, what does it say? All of them, all of them said, man, I, I got to be a part of this. The spirit of cooperation. How can I help you? What can I do for you? What need is there in your life? Now, part of that requires that you and I be honest with each other. And I can tell you, I, I can tell you this. As Americans, we do not like to do that. It requires that we be vulnerable by being, here's a word I've been using a lot in talking to people about this, the idea of being transparent. To say to, to say to somebody, man, I'm, I'm hurting. Here's what's going on in my life. Or I'm struggling with this, with this temptation in my life. And, and, and I just need you to be there for me. 
Or maybe even willing to, to say to somebody, man, you hurt me. When you, I don't know if you know it or not, but you hurt me when you did this. But, but we, we, we got to get real. We got to be authentic. We have to be transparent. If there's going to be a real spirit of cooperation between us, then, then, then we've got to be willing to say, hey, here's my life, warts and all. I, this is what it looks like. And exposing ourselves in a good way for the glory of God and the good of the body of Christ. I read this story several years ago about um, the Special Olympics. I think most of you know what Special Olympics are. Athletes that gather from all over the world um, who uh, perhaps have uh, some uh, faculty challenges and mental challenges, that sort of thing, make up Special Olympics. It's something they started a number of years ago, and it's, it's a big deal. Thousands of athletes come from all over the world. I was reading this story about uh, these finalists uh, in one particular race. I don't know, the 50-yard dash or whatever it was. Uh, the, the, there were five finalists in the race, and uh, they got into their positions, and the starter, uh, starter's gun went off, and they, and they took off, and they're running, and, and the crowd is just cheering like crazy, right? Because that's, that's, you do that anyway, but at Special Olympics, the crowd's just on their feet, and they're just cheering and cheering and cheering. And then suddenly there was this collective gasp in the stadium. Thousands of people, it's just this collective, <gasps> as one of the runners stumbled and, and fell flat on his face. And just as instantly as there's this collective gasp, silence fell over the entire stadium. As one of the other runners suddenly stopped, turned around and went back, and helped his friend get up. And they finished the race together. Which meant he had no chance of winning now. All of us stumble in this life. All of us trip and fall. Here's the question. Are you and I going to be there for each other? Are we going to be willing to say, man, I've been where you are. Come on, let me help you up. Let's get going. Let's move forward in this thing. For the glory of God, let's move forward in this thing. That's what it means to have this spirit of cooperation going on. Let let me give you a little practical application of of what some of these things will look like, uh, if I can. This this spirit of cooperation, some of the things that you'll uh, see. Uh, first off, let me give you just five ideas. It's personally, it's going to be, this is what it means. It means personally committed to each other. Personally committed to each other. We live in a throwaway culture. Er, Virtually everything is disposable, including relationships these days. Not this. Not this. Not if it's a great church. That it's like, man, I'm committed to you and you're committed to me. And and yeah, we get on each other's nerves sometimes. And man, I don't know why you do that. And you're so weird. And I don't understand this or that about you. But I am committed to you as my brother and sister in Christ. And I am here for this thing. And I'm not walking away. And I'm not giving up. Because because I commit it to you and to be a part of this this fellowship. That is cross-culture church or whatever church uh, geographically that a person might be engaged in. Personally committed to each other. Second idea is this, passionately care for each other. And you see that, don't you? Here in, in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, don't you see that? There's this passionate care. Man, they love each other. They care about each other. They're selling their property for each other. Now listen, I understand, and as I talked about it two weeks ago, there are extenuating circumstances there and persecution and why there was a need for some of that stuff that may not quite exist in this culture, but still the idea has not changed that I would care for you and that you would care for me no matter what came into my life or came into your life or what you did. I'm not giving up on you to passionately care 
for each other. Third idea is this, to lovingly challenge each other. I'm pretty sure that's what I was doing a few minutes ago with y'all, but, but to lovingly challenge each other. Isn't that, what you, isn't that what your parents did to you? If you're a parent, isn't that what you do for your children? Don't you challenge them at times when they, when they get off track or they do things that, that you know are not good for them or things that don't honor or glorify God? Isn't that what you do as a loving, caring parent? Don't you challenge your kids and say, no, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. No, uh, I'm not letting you go down there. I'm not going to do that. Let, let me tell you why this is wrong. And you sit them down and you talk to them about it. Why wouldn't we do that for each other? Why wouldn't we say, hey, listen... I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on in your life, but you just, it just seems like you've been distant lately or, or something. Tell, tell me, is there anything going on? Is there any way I can help you? Uh, or or I, I don't know, but I, I saw this happening the other day, and it, and it looks to me like, you know, maybe this. Can I, can, I, can I challenge you on this in your life? Can I show you what God's Word says? Why wouldn't we do that? We already know, right? Because they'll get offended and leave and go to another church. Because they can. It's America. I say that all the time. They can. It's America. But, but that's what we ought to do. That's, that's what a great church does. It's willing to say, you remember that, that story where, where, where Paul calls Peter on when Peter's like acting like, oh no, oh, uh, uncircumcised people, oh. And, and Paul shows up and he said, what the world, Peter? I thought we were all part of the body of Christ. If apostles can do it to each other, I'm pretty sure we can. Fourth, earnestly contend for each other. Listen to me. I should be willing to get on my face before holy God, approach the very throne of God and contend for you, to contend for your life, to, can, to contend for your spiritual growth, to contend for your physical needs, to contend for your family, to contend for your marriage. I ought to be willing to get on my face before God Almighty and contend for you because I love you. Because you're my brother, because you're my sister. And why would, I, why would I turn my back and abandon you in your greatest moment of need? I want to ask you a question. Would you be willing to fight for the people in this room, for the people that are part of the body of Christ that is corrupted? Would you fight for them? I'd be willing to go to the mattresses for you. Godfather reference for those of you that don't know. Yeah, that, that, yeah, you're going to see that in a great church. You're going to like, oh, no, uh-uh. And not only spiritual warfare, but... Out wherever it would be. Say, oh, no, uh-uh. You're not going to talk about my friend that way. You're not going to talk about my brother that way. Okay, here we go. One more. Extravagantly contribute to each other. Obviously, this is part of that idea of care. But it's, man, I mean, I mean what, what, what are you willing to, to do? What are you willing to give? What are you willing to spend on somebody else for their good? To extravagantly contribute to the needs of everybody else. Now, it might be financial. It might be physical. It might be emotional. It might be spiritual. It might be relational. But how, are you willing to be extravagant to meet the need in that person's life? Now, just for clarification purpose, that does not mean that you can go out and charge up all your credit cards and ask me to come pay the bill for you. That's, yes, I'm sure. I don't even, I don't even have to pray about that. And that's not what was going on in the early church. As I said a couple weeks ago, these people were literally being thrown out of their houses. Uh, women particularly had no place to go, no food, no nothing, no shelter. And, and the body of Christ said, man, we are not going to let this happen. We are not going to let this happen. We are going to be extravagant. And I'm, I think y'all would all agree, selling property and, and giving it to the, to the needs of the, that's pretty extravagant. 
But that's what the body does. The spirit of cooperation. Okay. What time is it? Let me give you one more. Real quick, or go close to the last idea. In a great church, there is evidence of confirmation. Now watch what happens in verse uh, 47. Uh, their, their gladness in verse 46, they're taking their meals together, gladness, sincerity of heart. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. It doesn't mean that all the people became believers in Jesus Christ, but it means that all the people saw, wow, those people care about each other. Those people love each other. Those people are there. They do anything for, the, for, for each other, and they, 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 they're willing to do anything for me. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. When uh, Cindy and I started in vocational ministry in the early 90s, we started a little church in Middle Tennessee, a little town in Tennessee. Uh, we had served volunteers in our, in our home church, previous church, but this is the first time that we were officially on staff, right? By the way, I, I was, you know, the official minister of youth, but Cindy has always been right there beside me, ministering right beside me, pouring 110% of herself into everything that God has called us to do without any question. I may have been the official minister of youth, but she was always right there with me. And uh, we, we, didn't, we knew very little about what we were doing, so we just we had a heart and passion for students and for the church in general, and, and uh, God opened a door, it's a really long story, God opened the door and, and we were able to minister in that capacity. And we saw God's hand of confirmation on that ministry. We saw God do some amazing things in that ministry. We saw a lot of students' lives change. A lot of the students who are in vocational ministry themselves today. We just saw God move. And it was a little church. We're not talking about it. It wasn't like a ton of people. But we just saw God move. And we saw kids giving their lives to Jesus Christ and, and being baptized. And, and listen, again, not, not that bigger is better. But I'm telling you, if we're doing what we should be doing, if we're loving each other unconditionally, if we're sacrificing and surrendering and, and giving and, 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 and walking in holiness before him and, and a student of his word and on our face and contending and all those things that we've talked about, if we're doing that, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, we will see God's hand of confirmation on this ministry. We'll see it. We'll see it in spectacular ways. I was... Uh, these people are here in Acts 2. They're, they're just praising God because what they see him doing, how they see him moving and changing lives. And then the result, the byproduct of that praise was that the people outside the walls of the church began to sit up and take notice that, that man, these guys, particularly because I said a moment ago, they're suffering for this. They're, they're, it's costing them to do this. And God was using that to draw those people in. And help them to see their need for a Savior. And, they were, and people were giving their lives to Jesus Christ. And the Lord was adding to the church day by day those who are being saved. And they were excited about it. They were excited about it. A couple of years ago, I received an email from a couple who had been attending Cross Culture for a couple of years. We were never successful in getting them plugged into a life group. They, they didn't come to a life group. We were never successful in getting them plugged into a ministry. They just came in on Sunday, went back out on Sunday. And I can assure you that ended up being part of the problem. But, uh, but that was it. They came in, but they were pretty regular. They were here most Sundays. And I got an email from them uh, saying that, uh, you know, they really enjoyed cross-culture. It's been great. Appreciated me and everything. But th- they were no longer be attending cross-culture. They were going to be going to Summit Church. Because, they said... 
um, our neighbors go to Summit Church, and they're just all the time uh, talking about Summit Church, how great Summit Church is, and they're all the time inviting us to come to Summit Church. So we decided we're going to go there with them. Now, listen to me. They were wrong for leaving for the reason they left. That's, that's not a biblical reason to change church. Or a biblical reason. That wasn't a biblical reason for changing church. And the, and the, the neighbors were wrong to keep going after a couple that they knew were in a biblically solid church. They, they knew they were. They told them numerous times. So they were wrong in that. But let me tell you something. I sure can appreciate their enthusiasm and their excitement and their, and their desire to talk about their church and what God is doing in that church. I, I sure could appreciate that. Now, again, they should have focused on their unchurched neighbors. <laughs> but I sure can appreciate the fact that there was this there was just this joy and gladness and excitement that, they could, that, that seeing that God is, is doing something. With all of my heart, I, I need to close this message out. With all of my heart, I desire to see Cross Culture Church be a great church. In God's eyes, because he's the one that ultimately defines that, okay? I, I'm, I'm willing to, to, to say that. But with all of my heart, I, I, I desire, passionately desire for Cross Culture Church to be a great church. I don't know that we are. And I desire for us to be. And so... And I'm just being candid here because I can, right? We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of the body of Christ. So I can be completely transparent with you when I say to you that I have been praying that God will remove me if I am the reason that this is not a great church. If it's not in his eyes. And that God would bring in someone who could move this church to greatness. If it's not what God wants to be. That God would bring someone in that would move this church to greatness. Because God deserves to be glorified. And you deserve to be a part of a church where God is doing something so extraordinary. That everybody can see. It's not us. It's not what we're doing. It's what God is doing. Some of you who were here from the very beginning when we started this thing. Now, you remember this. I said when we first started this thing that, that this thing, this cross-culture and this idea, this vision that I believe God laid on our hearts to do. I said it at the time. I said this will be the church-wise, church-wise, this will be the hardest thing you will ever do. And I think my words have proven out true. And not for the reason that you might think. It's not hard because we have to set up and tear down every week. Come on, somebody on the setup team ought to be raising their hand and say, I'd like five minutes for rebuttal. <laughs> but it's not. It's not because we have to set up and tear down every, every week. It's not because uh, we have to, we're, we're out of equipment and we're out people and doing all this stuff. It's not because our children's ministry can't do all that they were desired to do because they know it's got to fit on a truck somewhere. It's not because uh, we're, we're a mobile church. That's, that's, really, that's really not what makes it hard. What makes it hard is because from the beginning, we said that, we, not that we're reinventing the wheel, but from the beginning, we said we, we des, we, we're going to desire for this church to be what God would desire to be. And that requires that every person who's part of the body of Christ, that there's one overarching principle that must cover everything that we do. It is, in fact, part of the foundational core of this church. It is, in fact, the reason our church has the name that it has. And it's based on our theme verse. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. But that's what it takes to be a great church. 
It certainly must have been an exciting time in the early church. As Pastor Clay has mentioned throughout this series, the people that made up the first century church weren't perfect. They made their mistakes. They acted unchrist-like at times. But they knew God wanted to use them to reach the world, and they came together for the glory of God, and God did great things. God still wants to do great things today through the churches who are willing to come together in a spirit of cooperation to be used by Him to build His kingdom. Any church, in any age, in any place that does that will see confirmation from God that He is at work. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice real. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. Cross-Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.